This is Fantasy Book Club. Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Book Club. This is the Internet's Book Club and just by listening, you're a member. My name is Colton Pratt. And I am Sydney Lyerly. And we are still reading Way of Kings by Brandon Sanderson. We are reading this week, which chapters? This week, we read chapters 34, 35, 36, 37, 38, and 39. <laughs> so quite a few. Yes. None of them were all that long, though, which was yes. kind of nice, actually. I am a big fan of shorter chapters. <laughs> long chapters, no matter how good the book is. Yes. Long chapters just drag. That's, I'm like, yes. are we done yet? Because like, I like to be able to have the option of pausing or continuing. <laughs> And so not having the option, because I hate pausing in the middle of chapters. That's just a youth So thing, not having the option That's so funny. to pause at the chapter is like, oh my gosh, are we done yet? That's what. That's literally why that first time reading, I did not lay down on Adolin. is because their first introductions were two hour long chapters. Oh my gosh, they're so long. So it was the first time I met Adolin, I was like, come on, I don't care are we done yet but now i love them but now i love them yeah um this week the first chapter uh is a sydney chapters she's gonna hop right into it yeah um uh, next week uh oh sorry my bad i interrupted you're getting too far ahead yeah my bad my bad next week we're reading chapters 40 41 42 and 43 so only four next week a lot shorter (laughs) yeah that's a shorter week in general yeah also we have before we start. Actually, we have two people to say thank you to because they left comments on our Instagram. Yes, um, yes, yes, yes. They are they are as follows. One person whose name I always read it as JB Papal. <laughs> so I think it's JB Papal. Uh, left a very nice comment. They said they loved our energies, which yeah. is very sweet because we have so well. I love listener. You don't get to hear this, but when I'm editing and we do the rank those characters, Sydney and I's energy drops immediately. Like you can see it in the waveform <laughs> because we have to do the ranking then and then come back later with the woo and do the. Yeah. So like you could literally, if you're looking at the waveform, you could see where we were ranking the characters because yeah. it gets, we get very quiet and very slow spoken. <laughs> it's funny because. I feel like Colton and I in real life, we have very high energy as it is. Typically, like yeah. out of our friend group, we the two of us probably have some of the highest yes, energy. Yes, absolutely. And like, I think that translates well here for our podcast, but we bring more energy here sometimes <laughs> too. Yeah. And then we have those days where we're just not in it. Yeah, there's one of my favorite episodes is the headache episode because we're just so freaking chill that <laughs> That episode. was from like Warbreaker. Yes, it was. <laughs> so if you haven't listened to Warbreaker, shameless plug here, go listen to it and you can <laughs> listen to uh, Colin's favorite uh, headache episode. All right. Now, the other person who left a comment is our best friend, Han Solo. He leaves the comment all the time. Super sweet. Made a, he talked about how he definitely doesn't have any bad bosses. <laughs> Certainly none. None at all. And we appreciate that. Yeah. Um, we appreciate your comments. Like, if you don't follow us on Instagram, do it. Go do it. Unless you don't have Instagram, then I guess I forgive you. That sucks for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, you can leave us comments in other ways, too. Yeah. You can leave us reviews. Emails, reviews. All this was great. Yeah. We love hearing from you guys. It makes us happy. I always smile when we get comments. It, Me too. It, it makes my day. Me too. All right. Show us what you got, Sydney. All right. So chapter 34 is called Stormwall. So the little uh, book uh, bit at the, the beginning <laughs> the of it, bit. the book bit from Yasna says, I walked from a bomber, a bar. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> try it again. Try it again. Send it. Send it. You got this. <laughs> a, a bombar to uh, Yerithiru. And then this says, underneath it, it says, this quote from the eighth parable of the way of kings seems Ooh. to contradict Varala and Sinbion, who both claim the city was inaccessible by foot. 
Perhaps there was a way constructed, or perhaps Nohadan was being metaphorical. Uh, Nohadan, uh, Nohadan is the author of Way of Kings. Yeah, I figured that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, pretty cool. We get a little quote from the Way of Kings. Yeah. Love it. A quote from the Way of Kings in the Way of Kings book. Yes, and it's not from Dalinar, which is a win. Yeah, every not other from one Dalinar. is from Dalinar. So it's interesting to know that Yasna is also reading the Way of Kings, which I guess we kind of already knew that. But. Yeah, she's studying things. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, so this is the Kaladin chapter, and right. Kaladin is thinking about the fact that he's not supposed to survive. Bridgman aren't supposed to survive. Yeah. He wakes up. He feels fuzzy. He feels like he's kind of floating. Because he got and beat real bad last year. Yeah, chapter. he got beat real bad. Sill's talking to him, like trying to talk to him, and he's just like, he's out of it. And when he wakes up, he's hanging upside down by his feet on the side of Bridge Four's barrack. Right. Which is not not great. Not a great place to not be. Not a great place to be. He's trying to feel his body. He thinks he's got some cracked or broken ribs. Um, he thinks his collarbone might be broken. His eyes are swollen. He has no idea if he's got internal damage. Like he's he's not doing well. Calden is in big trouble. But he's alive. So there's that. Um we find out that Lamaril was actually uh, executed. Yeah! Because, Wish yeah, you were yeah, dead. Yeah, Wish yeah, you were yeah. dead came right through. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, we didn't get to see it. I was going to say unfortunately, but that's kind of terrible. That's pretty bad, yeah. So I, I, I stopped myself, but I wanted you guys to know anyway. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> we don't get to see it, but Lamaril is dead now. Um, he was executed because... The blame, the ultimate responsibility for the fall, the, like the fall of the um, the fail, like the failed battle, and the fall of all their soldiers, and they lost like two hundred some bridgemen. Like it was bad. The ultimate blame goes on Lamaril. Like it's Kaladin's fault, but it has to go on a light eyes because they're the ones in charge. And so Lamaril got executed for it. Gaz is still uh, in his um, his position. Nothing happened to him, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but. Uh, you know, so Kaladin's just talking to Syl. We're learning all this stuff. Uh, Kaladin, or not Kaladin, sorry. Syl feels really cold, which yeah. she can't understand why that is. She shouldn't be able to feel temperature. Yeah, but she she can feel it right now, and she's not sure why why that is. Um, she uh, leaves and then brings and then comes right back and brings Rock with her. You know, I want to read this interaction. Okay. Can we do this interaction, yep. please? For sure. There it goes. Lordling, Moash said, "You awake? I'm conscious." Cowden croaked. Everyone get back from the battle, all right? All our men, sure enough, Teft said, scratching at his beard. But we lost the battle. It was a disaster. Over 200 bridgemen dead. Those who survived were only enough to carry 11 bridges. 200 men, Cowden thought. That's my fault. I protected my own at the cost of others. I was too hasty. Bridgemen aren't supposed to survive. There's something about that. He wouldn't be able to ask Lamaril. That man had gotten what he deserved, though. If Kaladin had the ability to choose, such would be the end of all Light Eyes, the king included. We wanted to say something, Rock said. Is from all men. Most wouldn't come out. High storm coming and... It's all right, Kaladin whispered. Tef nudged Rock to continue. Well, is this. We will remember you, Bridge Four. We won't go back to how we were. Maybe all of us will die, but we'll show the new ones. Fires at night, laughter, living. We'll make a tradition of it. For you, Rock and Teft knew about the Nabwe. They could keep earning extra money to pay for things. You did this for us, Moash put in. We'd have died on that field, perhaps as many as died in the other bridge crews. This way, we're only going to lose one. I say it isn't right what they're doing, Tev said with a scowl. We talked about cutting you down. No, Kaladin said. That would only earn you a similar punishment. 
The three men shared glances. It seemed they'd come to the same conclusion. What did Sadius say? Calden asked. About me. That he understood how a bridgeman would want to save his life, Tef said. Even at others' expense, he called you a selfish coward, but acted like that was all that could be expected. He's saying he's letting the Stormfather judge you, Moash added. Jezereza, King of Heralds, he says that if you deserve to live, you will. He trod off. He knew as well as the others that unprotected men didn't survive high storms. Not like this. I want you three to do something for me, Cowden said, closing his eyes against the blood trickling down his face from his lip, which he'd cracked open by speaking. Anything, Kaladin, Rock said. I want you to go back into the barrack and tell the men to come out after the storm. Tell them to look up at me, tied here. Tell them I'll open my eyes and look back at them, and they'll know that I survived. <laughs> I, <laughs> okay, I really hated Moesh at one time. Yeah. I don't hate Moesh anymore. Good, good. Teft, I love Teft, and I love Rock. Mm-hmm. I, They're just, they care so much about him. Right. And that makes my heart feel so happy. There's some, there's some very kind people here. Yeah. And, um... I love that also they're promising to keep the thing that Kaladin started going. And like, yeah, they actually care about each other now, which is yes. such a good uh, movement. Yeah. And also Kaladin. Um, oh, it's your chapter. So you tell him what Kaladin thinks next. Yeah. Um. Well, Kaladin, sorry, I took it over. My you're, turn. <laughs> you're good. Um, Kaladin, like he is basically like, I'm I'm choosing whether I I mm-hmm. die or not. Like, this is my choice. I'm not letting Sadius have that say. Yeah. They don't think there's any way he can survive, and I'm not really sure Kaladin believes it either. But he does it. They, they are trying to have this hope, anyways. And right before they they start to leave, uh, Teft gives uh, Kaladin a a sphere to take with him. It has no stormlight in it, so it's done. Yeah. Um, but Teft gives it to him, and he's like, "This is the only one we could save for you." Right. Gaz and Lamriel took the rest, which is because there's an old saying that says, "Carry a sphere with you into the storm." Uh, and at least you have a light by which to see. Yeah. So it's it's like a cute old saying for like luck in the storm. Yep. Have a sphere. Um, also, Kaladin talks about how he is is like betting on the long shot is what he's thinking about this as. Do you remember that? The reason he says come back out and see me living. Yeah. Is because he's he's basically saying if I'm dead, they'll come out and mutter I knew you couldn't do it. Yeah. But I'm putting my I'm putting my chips in on the long shot yeah. that I will survive this. Yes. And then they'll come out and they'll be even more inspired than they were before. Yep. They'll follow me more than they would have before. Yep. Um. But so the three of them leave and still stays behind and uh, they just kind of wait for the storm to uh, get started and Kaladin, like Colton just said, explains the whole long bet yeah. idea, um, which makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um. They need a miracle they're not expecting one, so worst case scenario, Kaladin did what he could do. And he um, dies. And he dies. Uh, best case scenario, that they get they get this crazy miracle. Wouldn't that be a crazy ending to Kaladin's storyline, though? Yes, it would be. <laughs> that would have been a plot twist, honestly. It would have been great, though, because they, if they switch perspective to Taz, to, to Teft or something now. Yeah, or Rock. Or, that'd, yeah. Be, that'd be an interesting thing. But, but we do get Teft's perspective here later on, which is really fun. Yeah. Um. But so basically, the chapter just kind of ends with Kaladin hanging there and just thinking about the fact that the storm comes and... It ends right as the storm starts to slam, slams into him, and that's he, the end of the chapter. He took a deep breath, the pain of his ribs forgotten, as the storm wall crossed the, the lumberyard in a flash and slammed into him. This, the idea of that thing makes me think of a tsunami. Right. Like what a tsunami would be like when it, if it were to hit you. I think I you know how I've been saying how it's weird how the storm has been kind of like not addressed directly throughout yeah. the book yet. I think it's because they wanted this moment to feel 
even more like impactful of like yep. wow we knew this storm existed but now we get to see how dangerous it is yeah probably um because now it's my turn which is chapter 35 a light by which to see is the title which is kind of tells you who's going to be i guess yeah um and there's another quote here it says though many wished your theory to be built in alethala it was obvious that it could not be and so it was that we asked for it to be placed westward in the place nearest to honor perhaps the oldest surviving original source mentioning the city Requoted in the Vababrar, line eighteen o four. What would what I wouldn't give for a way to translate the dawn chant? Whatever that is. Whatever that is. Do you have any guesses? No. Fair enough. Not really. <laughs> well, how would I have any guesses? I don't know. It's some kind of language. You know that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So basically, this is Kaladin being flapped around in the wind by the storm. Um, the image of Kaladin just. His body flapping around like a freaking flag it, is so wild to me. At one point, he realizes I'm flying in the sky like a kite. Like yes. At one point, he's flapping by his heels, like flying in the that wind. That image is terrible. Yeah. Like this man's a whole, it's a whole man. <laughs> he should not be able to flap around like a kite like that. And after he was slapping down on the kite, he tries to scream. He opens his mouth. Water fills his throat Ugh, like he just gets his mouth full of water because it's so much. Um, and then the wind suddenly that was carrying up like a kite suddenly subsides and slams him back down to the into the uh sloped roof. Yep. And he hears Sill's voice very, very softly say, You do it. You're you're the Sill actor. What is the voice very, very softly says, What? Grab the roof, Kaladin. And so he's like, it's weird that I can hear it because she's like whispering, but he grabs onto the edge of the roof, but his fingers start slipping, and he hears Sill again. The ring. And he grabs onto the ring by which his heels have been tied and is like holding on with everything inside of him yeah. to, this, to this moment. And he's talking about like this, basically this entire part is how powerful the storm is. Rocks, boulders, debris getting flung like it's nothing across, yep. the, across the sky. Like it's, if he gets hit, a, a giant rock slams into the roof right next to him. And like he, if he was over there, he'd be crushed to death. He's dead. Yep. And he's like barely holding on. He's getting cut and uh, cut and scraped by sticks and debris flying randomly. Um, and then all of a sudden, there was this thing where all of a sudden, everything was still. Like the storm just all of a sudden went, whoop, gone. Yep. It was completely dark. And he immediately thinks he's dead. But he's like, wait, why can't I feel the, the Honestly, roof that's a fair reaction, though. Yeah. Basically, a weird, I'll just read exactly how it was described. In that darkness, an enormous face appeared just in front of his. A face of blackness, yet faintly traced in the dark. It was wide, the breadth of a massive thunderhead, and extended far to either side. Yet it was somehow still visible to Kaladin, inhuman, smiling. Weird. What's that? Do you have any guesses? Um, whatever it gives Kaladin, whatever his power. <laughs> that's what that is. Yeah, but like I don't know what that is, but a big a big face in the middle of the storm. That's the something. Big, it's some powerful dude. <laughs> well, powerful. I wonder if it's also just a person and he can't really like, just see a guy? it very well. Oh, you think like what? No, I mean not like like. I'm I don't confused. know. Never mind. It's a giant face. It's a giant man chilling in the storm. Um, and Kaladin is just like really confused by this. And then suddenly, this fear in his in his hand that uh, Tef had given him yeah. burst to life. So this is the moment in the storm that spheres get their light. Yep. Which he does mention the name of it, right? Uh no, no. There, I, I'm pretty sure there's a point in the storm that, like it has a name the moment that spheres oh. get light but I, I don't I, know I don't, what it is I don't know what it is either I guess um and he basically could look at himself for the first time and he's tattered and, and torn up and terrified yeah um and then suddenly the face was gone yep and then the storm is back to being a storm again Ugh. 
And Kaladin's really got himself concerned because he's like, crap, is that a vision? Am I seeing things? This is bad. His surgeon mind is getting real, real concerned for himself. It's almost like the, it gives me like Eye of the Storm vibes. Like if you're in a uh, hurricane and you get there to There was silence. <laughs> yeah. For just a moment. moment. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when you get, like if you're in a hurricane and you get to the Eye of the Storm, it's calm. Yeah. Which is such a weird vibe to me. Yeah. But that is a real thing. And then he blacks out. Yeah. Then he blacks out. Yeah, yeah, the storm comes back, he blacks out. And then it switches perspectives, and it's Teft's perspective. And basically, Rock comes running out of the building. He expects Kaladin to live. He thinks he'll stay up to his word. Rock does. Yeah. Teft does not. But he keeps thinking to himself, uh, you don't believe? If you don't, why are you walking outside? Like, why Why do you? Um, why are you following Rock out? But... Then if you do believe, why aren't why aren't you looking at Kaladin? Why are you looking down at your feet? Like he can't decide if he actually thinks Kaladin's gonna survive. And he's really basically angry at himself. And yeah. uh eventually he forces himself to look up and he sees he uh he says uh he sees exactly what he'd feared. The corpse looked like a hunk of slaughtered slaughterhouse meat, skinned and bled. Ugh. Uh it's a terrible image. Covered in blood on all sides, completely de- like destroyed. Um and it goes like this, poor lad, he thought, shaking his hand, head as the rest of Bridge Four gathered around him and rock. Quiet, horrified, you almost made me believe in you. Kaladin's eyes snapped open. Whoa! Dude, he lived, Kaladin! Kaladin! Kaladin. <laughs> um, and suddenly everyone starts rushing around and rock is bellowing like, uh, starts yelling in a different language. He says, Umakalakalaki, Kamamahor, Namahavu. And then he realizes he's in the wrong language <laughs> and goes, Somebody be helping me get him down. Is he is still alive? We need a ladder and a knife. Hurry. And they start running around. And Taft is just in shock. And suddenly he realizes, like, he got to do something. And so he yells, Where's that ladder? Curse you. Curse you all. Hurry, hurry. Real quick. Yeah. Before you finish this chapter. Yeah. Taft also, before they start cutting him down, realizes that the sphere he gave him has no stormlight in it and he can't figure out why that the sphere is. is done yeah yeah so and before the cha- the chapter ends with Ka- teft looking back at kaladin sorry i'm going to i noticed that when you say things like that i don't acknowledge you enough when i re- am editing i'm like i should say she did a good job good job saying that <laughs> thank you thank for noticing you. that i appreciate it <laughs> and then teft looks back up at kaladin and says uh you better survive son because i want some answers i also want some answers <laughs> i agree with teft any guesses any guesses? Well, we know what happens. That's true. I so, guess it's true. <laughs> I mean, no point in guessing. Wait, well, I'll guess the, more later. Guess what, the, what happened with the sphere? Why is it done? Because it all went into Kaladin. We already knew this. Oh, right. We already, you've already made this guess. Yeah, <laughs> we yeah, already yeah. know this. Just like the other dude, whatever his name is. <laughs> oh, um, man. Uh, Zeth. That, that guy. Yes. Who's the face? Zeth. Who? <laughs> 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 no, who's the face? Real answer. I don't know who the face is. Go ahead. Keep it in your head then. I will. You'll, you'll figure I'll, it out. Don't, I'm sure I will eventually. Don't forget the face. You'll, you'll figure it out. Okay. Okay. Um, chapter 36, which is titled The Lesson mm-hmm. and the Little Book Bit. Colton didn't call it a book bit last chapter and I was a little disappointed. You should have interrupted me. No. <laughs> the book bit says, taking the dawn shard known to bind any creature voidish or mortal, he crawled up the stairs crafted for heralds, 10 strides tall apiece toward the grand temple above. And then Yasna has written underneath from the poem of Ista. I have found no modern explanation of what these dawn shards are. They seem ignored by scholars, though talk of them was obviously prevalent among those recording the early mythologies. Prevalent, but that's okay. Oh, same thing. Yeah, same thing. They get the you idea. know what I meant. Yeah, they get the idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're back with uh, Shalon here in this chapter. Yeah. 
And I love so, Shalad. Me too. She has red hair. She does have red hair. Uh, she's currently. I bet she's pretty. <laughs> I just wanted to keep interrupting you. <laughs> um, I just good. got the hardest glare I've gotten from Sydney in a while. She was pretty upset about that one. Get back into it, Sydney. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> so we're back with Shalon, as I was saying. And she's reading out of uh, Gavilar's account of how he, uh, his first meeting with the Parshendi. Yeah. All those years ago. And I'm actually going to just read the sections of the book that she's reading because right. I think it's interesting. Good. It's better than me trying to explain it. So I'll read it. So it says, It was not uncommon for us to meet native peoples while traveling through the unclaimed hills. These ancient lands were once one of the Silver Kingdoms, after all. One must wonder if the great shell beasts lived among them back then, or if the creatures have come to inhabit the wilderness left by humankind's passing. Occasionally, during our explorations, we'd meet with natives, not parchment. Natin? Natin? Notin. Notin? Notin people with their pale bluish skin, wide noses, and wool-like white hair. In exchange for gifts of food, they would point us to the hunting grounds of great shells. Then we met the parchment. I've been on a half dozen expeditions to Na'anaan, but never had I seen anything like this. Parchment living on their own, all logic, experience, and science declared that to be an impossibility. Parchment need the hand of civilized peoples to guide them. This has been proven time and time again. Leave one out in the wilderness and it will just sit there, doing nothing, until someone comes along to give it orders. Yet here was a group who could hunt, make weapons, build buildings, and, indeed, create their own civilization. We soon realized that this single discovery could expand, perhaps overthrow, all we understood about our gentle servants. Which is really, really neat. Yeah. And then also there's something else that happens in this in uh, that Shalon reads. Yes. It's called what? So um, she also reads, Yasna had like written like an undertext underneath it. Is that what you're talking about? Yes. Yeah. What is, the, what is undertext in um, this world? So basically uh, it's an unspoken agreement by like the wife or whoever's well the agreements between all women well yes the agreements between all women so whoever's like you know writing taking it. down Whoever, writing the because men can't read or write yes. this world so whoever's yep. writing whoever's writing down the account it's this unspoken um agreement that's not shared out loud and basically it says so it says here a wife would sometimes clarify or even contradict the account of her husband the only way to preserve such honesty for future scholars was to maintain the sanctity and secrecy of the writing so essentially women write things that are like by the way, this is bullcrap. Yeah. And uh, other women agree to not read that part out loud so that essentially, because if the men knew that was happening, the men wouldn't let them do it. Yeah. So that in order to keep like the honesty of that section preserved, they can't talk about the undertext yep. as a thing that exists. Yeah. So what does Yasna say? Yasna's undertext in this section says, it should be noted that I have adapted my father's words by his own instruction to make them more appropriate for rec- recording. In addition, by most accounts, King Gavilar originally ignored these strange, self-sufficient parchment. It was only after explanation by his scholars and scribes that he understood the import of what he discovered. This inclusion is not meant to highlight my father's ignorance. He was and is a warrior. His attention was not on the anthropological... Anthropological? Yeah. Anthropological. Anthropological. Anthropology. Okay, you get my point. Import <laughs> of our it's it's just hard because it's split. Yeah, in not, my book, it's split. Oh boy! And so I was like, "Why is this word so long? And why does it keep going?" It's so funny. I was trying to like read it like across like in different sections. Normally, when we read, I edit them heavily because they're a dramatic reading. Yeah, here is not a dramatic reading, so you're gonna hear all the whoops and daisies. Uh, yeah, um, but yeah, 
uh it's just it was hard because it's like i said it's split into two yeah two lines so that. it was hard um import of our expedition but upon the hunt that was to be its culmination yep so so that yeah. th- that's uh the notes of the first interaction with the parshendi yeah um, which is really cool it is really cool. And also, uh, I love the idea of undertext because they've been mentioned a few times before. I didn't want to spoil what it actually was. Yeah. But I love the idea of undertext as a like secret little language that all the women know. Yep. Um, And then one more thing. Uh, like I said, I think the reason I laughed like that, it was a weird laugh, is because I think it's so funny when I get to hear Cindy mess up and it stays in the episode. <laughs> most, wow, thanks. Most whoops-a-daisies get cut every time. And this one was, this one had to stay because it's <sighs> part of it. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so Shalon's reading this because Yasna. Yasna wants her to, wants her to study it. What's Yasna doing? Um, Yasna is currently floating naked in the in the bath. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> I don't know why that- I say woo. She's like a 30-something-year-old woman. Yeah, not- we actually we learned that Yasna's 34, um, which still pretty young. is old for a lot of women to not have children. At, but in this it's world, still, not in yes, real life. In this world. In real life, take your time, women. Oh, yes. Don't um, worry about my it. My mom had me at 39. Yeah. Go my mom. Yeah. Um, and 34 is still, I'll, I'll retract that. 34, woo. It's still, it's still young enough to get a woo from Colton. <laughs> Okay, that's weird. If she was seventy, I'd retract my no. It's that's that's outside of my age. I can't. I've been a hole. I've dug a hole. No, (laughs) women are beautiful. I love women. Stop talking. I'm very pro women. Stop talking. Just stop. Can I say? Can I say I love women? I feel like that's okay. I'm pro woman as an idea. As an idea? Yeah, just as an idea. <laughs> okay, just we're doing, we're done. Moving on. Um, <laughs> Man, I can't believe that Colin, happened right there. Stop. <laughs> I am, I am devastated. <laughs> okay. Anyways, back on track. Let's get this show back on the road. <laughs> okay. Um, Yasna floating in the pool. Um, Shalon, she's got a. stop she's got uh, a pile of clothes where her soul caster is and she Mm -hmm. trusts shalon enough now that shalon is her bathing attendant and uh shalon is carrying around like she's got her the broken uh soul caster in her safe pouch and she knows that this is the opportunity she's been waiting for yasna is relaxed she's not paying attention her eyes are closed shalon could easily switch them out and she would have no idea yeah and she thinks about this thing that she's done before. Shalon does, mm. but we don't know what that is. She's yeah. done something, but we don't we don't know what it is. Something bad. I mean, it keeps getting implied several times. We've had an implication of like evil things that Yas- Shalon has done. In yeah. Her, in her yeah, 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 yeah. Do you have any guesses? Um, I think it has something to do with well, she's betrayed someone, so I think it has mm. something to do with how her father died. Mm, okay. Um, so I think maybe she betrayed her family somehow. Okay. Or something like that. Good theory. Um. Betrayed something, and that's how that's how her father died, and the reason they're yeah. in the mess they're in. I want somebody that has more dedication than me to go through and see your hit rate on theories. Do like the math of how many theories you get right versus how many you get wrong. <laughs> That'd be interesting to see. Probably most of them are wrong, but actually, I feel like I've done a pretty good job with some of the. You've theories done so you've far. done pretty good, but like some of them would be in like a category of sorta. So like yeah, I, I guess yeah. the sorta would would be the majority. I would get a point five for some of them. Yeah, for you sure. Give me like a point system. I get a one if I just hit it on the nose. Yeah, or get like most of the thing the, right. The majority. I get a point five if it's about eh, you're right. kind of right, but you're also kind of wrong, and you're then I just get something. a flat out zero if I'm yeah. just flat out wrong. I would love to see that if anyone has the dedication. <laughs> that would be a, a big commitment. But if you have the dedication, let's we'd love it. you for that. If you did that, <laughs> just saying. Um. Anyways, uh. So uh, she's thinking about trying to to steal it, 
And so she stands up and starts walking towards the pile of clothes where the the soul where uh, Yasna's soul caster is hidden. And right as she gets there, Yasna opens her eyes, and so she's got to pretend that she's just kind of pacing. Yeah. And Yasna's watching her, but not like in a suspicious way, just curiously. Yeah. And they start talking, and Shalon's like, "Why did your father want to make a treaty with the Parshendi in the first place?" And they just kind of talk about this about the fact that they don't. Yasna is not giving her straight answers, and Shalon's just kind of annoyed with it. But um, Yasna, Yasna's theory is that the Prashendi had shards. Yes, of Yasna some kind. doesn't really know. Yeah, but she's why not her sure. father? Yeah, she's not one hundred percent sure why her father wanted the treaty. Yeah, um, or why the Prashendi decided to kill him. Right, like they don't, they don't really have any idea. Right, they're just kind of making wild guesses. Right, well, just like um, everybody is. Yeah, uh, so they continue to to talk about this. Um, Shalon continues to pace, so it looks like she was just not being suspicious. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, um, after this little conversation, Shalon stops and spots the uh, the soulcaster. Like she stops right by it. Yeah, and again thinks about the fact that uh, she could steal it. Yasna's got her eyes closed again. And she uh, goes to, and then she, Yasna speaks again yep. about, Yasna says, you are progressing more quickly than I had assumed you would. Mm-hmm. And she says, I was wrong to judge you so harshly because of your prior education. I myself have often said that passion outperforms upbringing. You have the determination and the capacity to become a respected scholar, Shalon. I realize that the answers seem slow in coming, but continue your research. You will have them eventually. And Shalon's like, I can't do it. Yeah. Like after she's just complimented by yeah. Yasna, Shalon's like, I I came all this way, but I, I can't do it. Yeah. And so she steps away and she's basically like, Well now what? I've kind of just doomed my family. I can't I can't do this. Um, and so she goes back to where she was, like, you know, sets her book down. Yasna opens her eyes and then uh asks Shalon to uh or like do her hair to like yeah. do put the soap in her hair and stuff. And so they do that. And then uh Yasna's like, you seem very anxious lately. Maybe mm. we need to go outside and spend some time outdoors and do some hands-on stuff versus just you. Philosophy, hands on. Uh, I hate philosophy. <laughs> I'm in a philosophy class right now. Professor, good dude. I like him. That class, not the most boring one I have right now. Yeah. Like it's fine. I don't What is hate the most boring it. class? Don't say that, actually. <laughs> it's going on the internet. Don't say that. Yeah, no. Um, I, I It's fine. I just am not... <sighs> philosophy is just boring. Well, and I don't like it. <laughs> I'm glad you're in a class because we can talk about ph- the philosophy of what happens here in a minute. Yeah, um, we can do that. <laughs> um, but so Shalon's like, okay, like natural sciences? Yeah. And Sh- Yasin's like, nope, philosophy. And Shalon's like, philosophy she says what good is that yeah she says isn't it the art of saying nothing with as many words as possible she thinks that Mm -hmm. and i'm like yes i relate to this (laughs) (laughs) no i have nothing against philosophers if you want to study philosophy study philosophy i just don't get it yeah but that's my own personal i like philosophy if you if you're wondering listener i'm a big fan of if you couldn't tell sydney hates poetry i love poetry i hate sydney hates philosophy i love philosophy so sydney and i are different in quite a few ways and these are a few of them (laughs) We, yeah. we share our love of, of fantasy books, but the reason for why is very different. Yeah. I just like to read. Um, <laughs> and what better to read than this thousand-page book? Woo, woo. Woo, woo. Um, but So Yasna basically is convincing her that philosophy is more hands-on than she thinks. Right. Than Shalon thinks. And right. so she uh, is – they're just having this conversation about philosophy and about, like, answers and stuff and about it being hands-on. 
And she basically was like, I'm going to give you this lesson, okay? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, this is, I'm going to give you a hands-on lesson. And so she gets out of, Yasna gets out of the out of the bath and starts to tell off. And she's like, we're going out tonight. And Shalon's like, it's so late. Why would you want to go out now? And Yasna's like, I told you philosophy was a hands-on art. I'll prove it to you. Come, help me dress. And the chapter skips forward. And they head outside. They're not taking like a palanquin. 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 That's right. I knew that wasn't right when I said yeah. it. I was like, that's I not the I saw your word. face instantly. You said palanquin and then went, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I meant. Yeah. Um, They're not like getting like chauffeured. They're just. They're... Two well-dressed women. Yes. With obvious jewelry. Yes. Walking around at night in the yes. city. Not great. And they're going to a section where um, it's bad. They're going to this alleyway where Yasna tells, happened recently. Yasna tells, tells Shalon that there's been a lot of murders in this area recently. And it's not been good. And like she, the king hasn't been able to do anything. Like no one is doing anything to stop it. The city watch has probably been bribed is what, is, yes. is what it seems like. Yeah. Um, but no one's doing anything to stop it. And so they walk to this alleyway and Yasna like takes off her like pulls back her gloves so that the soul caster is clearly visible mm-hmm. so there's two well-dressed women who are by themselves with lots of with a soul caster and lots of like gems and it's it's they're going to get attacked right like that's obvious men start following yes and so they're walking and men start following them and Shalon's like freaking out, which is 100% a fair reaction. I kind of want to read this little, this, this is what happens here. Can we do a little reading here? Yeah, for sure. There it goes. These men meant murder. You didn't rob women like Shalon and Yasna, women with powerful connections, then leave them alive as witnesses. Men like these were not the gentlemen bandits of romantic stories. They lived each day knowing that if they were caught, they would be hanged. Paralyzed by fear, Shalon couldn't even scream. Stormfather, Stormfather, Stormfather. And now... Yasna said, voice hard and grim, the lesson. She whipped off her glove. The sudden light was nearly blinding. Shalon raised a hand against it, stumbling back against the alley wall. There were four men around them, not the men from the tavern entrance, but others, men she hadn't noticed watching them. She could see the knives now, and she could also see the murder in their eyes. Her scream finally broke free. The men grunted at the glare, but shoved their way forward. A thick-chested man with a dark beard came up to Yasna, weapon raised. She calmly reached her hand out, fingers splayed, and pressed it against his chest as he swung a knife. Shalon's breath caught in her throat. Yasna's hand sank into the man's skin, and he froze. A second later, he burned. No, he became fire, transformed into flames in an eye blink. Rising around Yasna's hand, they formed the outline of a man with head thrown back and mouth open. For just a moment, the blaze of the man's death outshone Yasna's gemstones. Shalon's scream trailed off. The figure of flames was strangely beautiful. It was gone in a moment, the fire dissipating into the night air, leaving an orange afterimage in Shalon's eyes. The other three men began to curse, scrambling away, tripping over one another in their panic. One fell. Yasna turned casually, brushing his shoulder with her fingers as he struggled to his knees. He became Crystal, a figure of pure, flawless quartz, his clothing transformed along with him. The diamond in Yasna's soulcaster faded, but there was still plenty of stormlight left to send rainbow sparkles to the transformed corpse. The other two men fled in opposite directions. Yasna took a deep breath, closing her eyes, lifting her hand above her head. Shalon held her safe hand to her breast, stunned, confused, terrified. Stormlight shot from Yasna's hand like twin bolts of lightning, symmetrical. One struck each of the footpads and they popped, puffing into smoke. Their empty clothing dropped to the ground. 
With a sharp snap, the smokestone crystal on Yasna's soulcaster cracked, its light vanishing, leaving her with just the diamond and the ruby. That image is yeah. terrible. Yasna just murdered four fools. I. Ah! But here's you. Okay. Mm, there's a philosophy here that yep. they discuss in a second. Yep. We'll get to that in a minute. Okay. Go ahead. I. Real quick, I just want to say, I don't know how I feel about Yasna after this. I am so conflicted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll talk about that here in a second. Yep. So she murders these people. Um, but does she murder? They had nice pulled and they're walking up oh, to her. Oh, for sure. So she self-defense kills three, four people. Yes, but also her intention was to go there to kill these and people. And two of them were running away at the time. Yes. So like all of – but also – she makes a good point. She's allowed to be there. Yes. If being there, like if being there in, is not enticing people to murder yes. her, she was intentionally trying to get them to attack her. Yes. But it's not her fault that they did. Yes. It's weird. And it makes And me... also she saved how many lives of innocent women who wouldn't be able to defend themselves. Exactly. So like it's a dilemma. It's a dilemma. Yeah. Um. And so Yasa turns back to Shalon after this whole thing. And Shalon's like, oh, my gosh. Like she doesn't know what to say. They they walk back um mm-hmm. to get uh to like head back and get like yeah. shuttled back. And Shalon's like, You just killed four people? Mm-hmm. You killed you killed four men? That was that was horrible. And then she says, Four men who are planning to beat, rob, kill, and possibly rape us. And she uh, Shalon says, You tempted them into coming for us. Yeah. And they just have this whole like conversation and basically what we just talked about. Yeah, same and, exact discussion. And, Yasna's like, Shalon, that was the lesson. Like, yeah. that was the lesson of that was philosophy in action. Like, that's it's an important lesson for you. And Shalon's like, you just did all of that to prove a point to me? Yeah. Like, you just murdered four, you killed four people. I love this line. How many lives did I just save? And Shalon's response, I know how many you just took. Cause that the whole idea of like potential lives versus right now you killed four people. Yeah. There, you save potentially infinite. Maybe you save zero. Maybe this was her last time robbing, though. Yeah. You took four. We yes. know that's the case. Yeah. And that's also an interesting part of the philosophy as well. Yep. And Shalon's just like in shock and doesn't know what to say, doesn't know what to do. And Yasna's like trying to like tell her all this stuff. And uh, basically, she says, uh, Yasna says, there will be times when you must make decisions that turn your stomach, Shalon Devar. I'll have you ready to make those decisions. And then they kind of they kind of fall silently and just kind of get back. Uh, they get back to the uh, the conclave and they go back to their rooms. And uh, Shalon helps Yasna undress. And right before um, Yasna like goes to bed, uh, she says, or Shalon actually says this. Shalon says, "You could have let the other three get away. You only needed to kill one of them." And Yasna's like, "No, I didn't." And Shalon, Shalon's like, "Well, they would have been so frightened that, to do something like that again." And Yasna's like, "Well, you don't know that." Mm-hmm. Like, you have no way of knowing that. Right. Same way like, she has no way of knowing to do it again. Yeah. Like, it's just a whole it's a whole issue. And basically, she tells uh, Shalon to think it over. Like, yeah. spend time thinking it over and, you know, figuring out how she feels about it and the whole moral dilemma and all that. And so, Yasna's, like, brushing her hair and her eyes are closed. And Shalon sees the soulcaster sitting on the, like, the table. It's unguarded. Yasna's not paying attention. She could easily switch it out. And she thinks, basically, she thinks what uh, about what Yasna just said. So she thinks, there will be times when you must make decisions that turn your stomach, Shalon Devar. I faced them already. I'm facing one now. 
How dare Yasna do this? How dare she make Shalana part of it? How dare she use something beautiful and holy as a device for destruction? Yasna didn't deserve to own the Soulcaster. And so real quick, Shalan grabs the Soulcaster and switches them out. She pops out the one gem that's broken. The smokestone. And then switch in her like own her father's yeah. uh, Soulcaster and the, the, switches the them out. Switches them out. And after she switches them, she she hides Yasna's and then Yasna opens her eyes and uh, like puts on the non-functional Soulcaster. And Shalan's like, oh my gosh. Doesn't say anything and basically says... Like, you know, it's been, like, a fatiguing day. I'm going to bed, like, basically. And that's the end of uh, the section or the chapter. Yasna puts away the the soul caster, locks it up, goes to bed, and Shalon leaves. Read the last two sentences. So the end of this says, Shalon walked from the room stunned, in turmoil, exhausted, sickened, confused, but undiscovered. Another baller ending to a chapter. Yeah. Um, And then there's some beautiful art here. There is some really pretty art here that I assume is uh, Shalon's. Yeah, it comes from the next chapter is when she goes. In the next time we see Shalon, she goes to the uh, member of the. Yeah. Yep. And so you can tell when it's Shalon's art because it's one, very, very good and realistic. And mm-hmm. two, she has like this weird like patented handwriting. Yeah. Yeah. Um. All right. Now it's my turn. Yep. Uh, We see Shalon again. So no theories yet. Nope. Here, now it's my turn. Chapter 37, Sides. This is from another five and a half years ago one. This is Baby Cal. Baby Cal. Baby Cal. Baby Cal. Uh, Baby Cal is um, washing vegetables with his mother. Yep. Because uh, it's they're like the lowest, grossest vegetables that exist because they don't have money because it's been months since anybody's given them yeah. money. And his mom's not working anymore. Right. Because the, the town refuses to hire her anymore. Yeah. Um, we do learn, though, that the townspeople are feeding them still. Uh, later we learn that. Well, I'm just why, saying. Why'd you reveal the, the mystery? Well, if they read, they would already know. Very true. Well, if they read, they'd already know all of this. We don't need to be here if they read. <laughs> That's true. Sydney. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. My bad. Why are we doing this then, huh? Yeah, we should quit. Um, <laughs> no, we no. Um, I'm joking. We're too far in to do the, to quit now. <laughs> We're committed. We're too committed. No, they they were doing this thing. They're they're doing the the peeling and making of shell bark. Not shell bark. They're, what is it called? Uh, long, root. long roots. And Tien is talking about like, look at this, look at this beautiful little rock. And uh, <laughs> his mom is ta- talking to him. And they spend the time talking about spren and how each bit has spren and stuff. And his his mom's philosophy about how spren work as the souls of things. It's whatever. Yeah. Um. And then uh, Kaladin out the window sees. Well, is there anything else I need to mention about this important conversation? Not really. They just I, talk about yeah. Spren. They talk about spren for a long time. Yeah. Kaladin out the window sees a a a. Uh, a carriage coming down the street and he makes an excuse and dips out the window, uh, dips out the door to the outside and finds his dad waiting for the carriage. And he's like, Hey, I'm going with you up to the mansion Yep. because the dad is going to meet with Roshon. And, uh, the dad's like, how do you know about this? And Calvin's like, everyone is talking about it. You thought you could keep a secret that you're going to meet with Roshon right now. You thought you can keep that from us. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so eventually, uh, his dad, Liren, just kind of says, like, fine. <laughs> uh, and they go up to the, they're, they're on the ride up together. Um, right? Yep. I really feel like I'm missing things because this chapter, I'm flying through it, but no. there's, there's a lot of things that I don't think are like there's super. There's a lot important. of little conversation. That's yeah. It's not, yeah. Um, and they, they get to, um, Kaladin also talks about the fact that he, uh, he, they have like, 
a man can say all kinds of things, but you see where he sets his fears and where its heart is, um, that kind of a thing. Yeah. I will say real quick that they talk briefly about um, Liren and Cal talk briefly about why they haven't left the town yet. Right. And that's kind of where we find out that they're feeding them. Still yes. And, yeah. They're, they're like putting food for them in like the watering bucket, uh, the rain catching bucket and stuff. Yeah. So that he, they are getting food from them. And Calden's like, I guess they do appreciate you. Um, and uh, by the way, at this point, Calden is pretty set that he wants to be a soldier. Yeah. Like he is planning on being a, becoming a soldier as, and enlisting the next time. The next time someone comes yeah. to take enlistments, he's yep. coming. Um, and that is the current plan. Um, and Kaladin's like, but they tried to rob us. And Liren's like, but they also gave us food. So it's kind of a weird, a weird thing situation they have going on. Yeah. Um, and basically they Kaladin is also thinking about is Laurel gonna be there? Because, you know, that's the that's the girl that he for a while had a crush on and it was like his parents tried to get them to, to be married and that kind of a thing. Yep. Um, but when they get there, there's there's a table set up for them below the light eyes table, Roshon's table. And um, Liren goes, I'm of the second non, and I have personal invitation to dine with you. Surely you follow the, pre- the precepts of rank closely enough to give me a place at your table. And Pop off, Liren. Roshon's like, whatever. And <laughs> Liren goes up and, and joins them at their table. And Kaladin comes too. Yep. And Cal's eating the light eyes meal. And he's like, this is amazing. I really, really love it. Liren refuses to eat, though. Yep. He refuses to take anything from this guy. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Roshon basically is just, this is an argument to try and get the spheres. Yeah. Roshon wants them to make a deal to like give him half, like half no, of the spheres. No, 90%. Or, like, yeah, a bunch of the spheres and they can keep the rest of it. Right. Or whatever. That's, yeah. And Roshon is saying, like, if you leave, I'll contact your new city lord and tell him the spheres you stole. And uh, Liren's like, I will win any like thing against me. Anytime, any kind of suit you put out for me, I will win. I have the proper documents to say I deserve these fears. Yeah. Anything you can do, I have them. The only impact you can have is on the people around me, but they're still feeding me. So I'm okay. Yeah. Like this kind of a thing. Yep. And uh, when he offers the nine tenths deal, Calden jumps up and says, and basically says, um, he says, my father will never, my father will never. And Liren says, Calden. Uh, go to the kitchens. Basically, Liren sends him out, implying that he's willing to make some kind of deal. Yeah. And Kaladin is real broke up about this. And he goes to the kitchens, and immediately the chef knows him because he used to be up here all the time. Yeah. And the chef starts making him a child's meal, which also kills Kaladin's soul. Yeah, because Kaladin's like, I'm not a child anymore. Right. He's sitting in the little like kitchen eating nook, and Roshon's son, whose name is... Uh... It's like Riller. Riller, yeah. Riller comes up and along with Laurel. Along with Laurel. Laurel. Uh and I can we read how terrible this moment is for Kaladin? Yep. It's a really, really sad one. Yep. You, Riller said, nodding to Cal and speaking with a smooth city accent. Be a good lad and fetch us some supper. We'll take it here in the nook. I'm not a kitchen servant. So? Cal flushed. If you expect some kind of tip or reward just for fetching me a meal, I'm not. I mean, Cal looked at Laurel. Tell him, Laurel. She looked away. Well, go on, boy, she said. Do as you're told. We're hungry. Cal gaped at her. Then felt his face redden even more. I'm I'm not going to fetch you anything, he managed to say. I wouldn't do it no matter how many spheres you offer me. I'm not an errand boy. I'm a surgeon. Oh, you're that one, son. 
I am, Cal said, surprised at how proudly he felt those words. I'm not going to be bullied by you, Riller Rashon, just like my father isn't bullied by yours. Except they're making a deal right now. Father didn't mention how amusing you were, Riller said, leaning back against the wall. He seemed a decade older than Cal, not a mere two years. So, you find it shameful to fetch a man his meal. Being a surgeon makes you better than the kitchen staff? Well, no, it's just not my calling. Then what is your calling? Making sick people well. And if I don't eat, won't I be sick? So couldn't you call it your duty to see me fed? Cal frowned. It's, well, it's not the same thing at all. I see it as being very similar. Look, why don't you go get yourself some food? It's not my calling. Then what is your calling? Cal returned, throwing the man's own words back at him. I'm city heir, Wheeler said. My duty is to lead to see that jobs get done and that people are occupied in productive work. And as such, I give important tasks to idling dark eyes to make them useful. Cal hesitated, growing angry. You see how his little mind work, Wheeler said to Laurel, like a dying fire, burning what little fuel it has, pumping out smoke. Ah, and look, his face grows red just from the heat of it. Wheeler, please, Laurel said, laying her hand on his arm. Wheeler glanced at her, then rolled his eyes. You're as provincial as my father sometimes, dear. He stood up straight and, with a look of resignation, let her pass the nook and into the kitchen proper. I didn't realize how little she talked. I thought she talked more than that. <laughs> Laurel sucks now. Laurel? She always sucked, but now because she's supposed to be his friend doing that, actually makes me like her worse than Riller. Riller's yeah. just a bully. She's a betrayer. Yeah, not I, a fan of her. I'm not a, this is another, so Laura was for a short time on our least favorite character list. I think she, for me, she's back on there. Oh, for a, sure. At, at least as much as Riller deserves yeah, to be on there. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I feel so bad for Cal because he like kind of had this crush on this girl. Yeah. Like his parents wanted him to marry her and now clearly she's going to marry this dude. She's mm-hmm. going to marry Riller. Um, it's just, I feel so bad for Cal. But after this happens, uh, Liren comes and collects Cal. And they make their way out. And Liren basically reveals, I'm pretending that I might be willing to deal. Yeah. I'm not going to actually deal. But if I think, if he thinks that I might deal, he will stop sicking the town on me, yeah. essentially. Also, real quick. Yeah. Kaladin yeah. reveals that he was thinking about being a soldier to Liren. Yeah. And Liren's like, what? Yeah. And Kaladin's like, well, it was childish, but I've decided for sure that I'm going to be a surgeon. And he means it. Like, yes. he wants to be a surgeon now, which I was not expecting. Because we know he becomes a soldier. Yes. And so I was expecting him to just want to be a soldier. Does this shift your theories at all about what happens to his family between then and now? Mm. I Not even his family. What happens to him? How does he end up yeah. from, from then and now? Um. Well, my guess is, so we know Tian's dead, or I assume Tian's dead. Um, I think, I still think that Rashon did something to his family, but I think, like, in order for Kaladin to get away and survive, he, like, because he couldn't save them. So right. I think he just, his best option was just to enlist. He mm. has no money now. Okay. So he just enlisted because that was the only option he had. Okay. That's what I think. Good, good guess. Yeah. Add, add that to the list. Everybody. I thought originally that he just enlisted because <laughs> he wanted to enlist, but I think I think he had to because he had no other choice. Because okay. he they lost all their money and he couldn't afford to go and study. It is also revealed in this section that Liren did in fact uh, forge the documents required 
Not great. To get those fears. Not great. It, they are actually, at this point, we've been defending him because he has the documents, but they were, he was not lucid and he forged the stamp. Yeah. Not great. I, that doesn't make me feel good. Yeah. Like, I, and Liren claims that he thinks that had uh, Wistio been, um, like, been uh, lucid, he would have given him the spheres anyways. Yeah. But that doesn't make it any better. Yep. Like, that. Not at all. Don't, don't do that thing. <laughs> yeah, don't do that thing. And then it cuts. Uh, Kaladin finally, he says, basically, Kaladin wants to go by his full man, the full name, a yep. man's name. And his father says that. And actually, the chapter ends with him going, with Liren going, very well, Kaladin. Yeah. And then that's the end of this chapter. Yep. So we learned a bunch of things. How does it make you feel about his family now? Still love oh, his we also mom. Know, we also know his mom's in and on it, too. Yes, but I still love his mom. His mom's so sweet. I still like them. Like, yeah. I like his parents. And they just and wanted I the best for Kaladin. I, yeah, I understand it. But, like, don't don't steal. Don't <laughs> lie and steal. Yeah. And also, like, and it makes me hate Rashon less because he's right. He's right. He's still kind of a butthole. He's still not. I still don't like him. I will I say, still, I don't like him at all. I think I like his son in Laurel less than I like him. Now. I agree. I would agree. Because he's he's still a grumpy butt, but his son is just a bully, and his son's wife or girlfriend at this point, yeah, is a, a betrayer of the person she was like in with a plan was to marry. Yeah. So it's kind of I don't like her at all. Kind of crappy. Kind of crappy people. Yeah. Next up, your chapter. Yeah, so chapter 38. So the little... Uh, What's the title? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Invisager. Nailed it. Woo! Woo! Um, chapter 38. Uh, the little book bit says... Wait, before you do the book bit, you and I, we've been recording for a minute. I think we need a little moment to re- recenter ourselves and bring our energy right back up to the top. Okay. Okay, let's do some Let's do some yoga. Everyone, close your eyes unless you're driving. Three, two, one. Give me an alm. Alm. Okay, <laughs> high energy. We got this. Woo! Okay. Woo! <laughs> we pump up the jam. We got this. Let's do it. If that doesn't it. wake you up, I don't know what else will. Yeah, if you're okay. if you owned in the imagine someone trying to meditate with us and getting interrupted by <laughs> <laughs> You didn't come to this podcast for yoga. Yeah, well, Sydney and I'll make a special yoga cast just for you listeners. Um okay, go okay. go. 38 and um, 38. So the little book bit says, Born from the darkness, they bear its taint still, marked upon their bodies, much as the fire marks their souls. And then Yaza's little uh Writing underneath says, I consider Gashash, son Nav- Navamis, a trustworthy source, though I'm not certain about this translation. Find the original quote in the 14th book of Seld and retranslate it myself, perhaps. And so, yeah. Studying ancient yeah, things. Yeah, she's just studying. She's just studying. Um, And so this is another Kaladin chapter. And so we're back. We're back with Kaladin. And he's got like a fever. He's floating, he feels like. Yeah. He... Probably has, like, he's thinking about all these different, like, things he would do as a surgeon. So I'm actually going to read them. So it says, he says, persistent fever, accompanied by cold sweats and hallucinations. Likely cause is infected wounds. Clean with antiseptic to ward away rot rim. Keep the subject hydrated. Broken ribs, caused by trauma to the side, inflicted by a beating. Wrap the chest and prevent the subject from taking part in strenuous activity. Lacerations on face, arms, and chest. Outer layer of skin stripped away in several patches. Caused by prolonged exposure to high storm winds. Bandage wounds, wounded areas, apply a dinocax, dinocax, a salve, a salve, some kind of salve to encourage new skin growth. Hypothermia caused by extreme cold, warm subject and force him to remain seated. Do not let him sleep. If he survives a few hours, there will likely be no lasting after effects. If he survives a few hours. 
Um, so they just, he's just kind of Keep thinking doing through. These. Yeah, a lot of these. Yeah, there's a lot of these. I'll read the others later. But he kind of is thinking through um, all the things that are wrong with him, which is a lot of them. And while he's thinking about these things, he's also thinking about the fact that uh, he thinks about like, yeah, he thinks about Lamarill. He thinks about Sadius. He thinks about the fact that Bridgman are basically corpses. They're not supposed to survive. Like their whole point is to die. Um, he thinks about Tien. He thinks about all the people that he he thinks he's failed. Um, he's thinking about all of this. This is a beautiful uh, line I want to read here. Can I okay. read this section? Yeah. He was wounded, wasn't he? He was bleeding on the ground. He was one of the fallen spearmen. He was a bridgeman from Bridge 2, betrayed by those fools in Bridge 4, who diverted all the archers. How dare they? How dare they? How dare they survive by killing me? Yeah. So that's... Not great. He, he, he even feels guilty for what he did. Yes. And all he was trying to do was survive, and yep. he even feels guilty because others died because of what he yep. did. And I love Kaladin for it, honestly. Yeah. This whole section is basically just him being like hallucinating. Yeah. Um. So I'll read uh the last couple pieces of this little thing that he's thinking about. Wait, no, no, no. Here's there's another beautiful moment that I want to read. Okay. Standing before the death friend because he sees death friend on his chest. Yeah, which is, which bad. is not good. Like, the only people who see them are right before death. Yeah. Standing before the death friend with a tiny figure of light, not translucent as she had always appeared before, but a pure white light. That soft feminine face had a nobler, more angular cast to it now like a warrior from a forgotten time, not childish at all. She stood guard on his chest, holding a sword made of light. That glow was so pure, so sweet. It seemed to be the glow of life itself. Whenever one of the desperate got too close, she would charge at it, wielding her radiant blade. The light warded them off. But there were a lot of desperate, more and more each time he was lucid enough to look. Sil, Sil, That's Sil. Okay, for some reason, that little section has stuck with me from my first reading more than really? anything. The little the little woman fighting off the like hordes of death yeah. friend to try and keep him alive. This makes me... This, it's so cute. Yes. It makes me happy. This sentence that says, that soft feminine face had a nobler, more angular cast to it now, like a warrior from a forgotten time, really makes me think that that Syl is, in fact, like a warrior from... Mm. Like, that's, that's what she was at one time, and she's right. starting to get it back. That's... I, I do believe that. That theory is sticking with you I, strong? Yes. Okay. And this this makes me think that even more. Okay. Um, But here, I'll read the last couple of little uh, things that are wrong with him, just so we get the full idea, the full scope of what's wrong with Kaladin. So he says, strained tendons, ripped muscles, bruised and cracked bones, and pervasive soreness caused by extreme conditions. Enforced bed rest by any means necessary. Check for large and persistent bruises or pallor caused by internal hemorrhaging. Hemorrhaging? Hemorrhaging. Right? Hemorrhaging? That can be life-threatening. Be prepared for surgery. Blistered fingers and toes caused by frostnip. Frostnip? Frostnip. I'm not gonna like frost. I'm going to assume it's bite. frostbite, but like the, the fantasy version. I read that and I was like, frostnip? That's not what that yeah. is. <laughs> um, make sure to apply antiseptic to any blisters that break. Encourage the body's natural healing. Permanent damage is unlikely. And the last one is severe delusions caused by trauma to the head. Maintain observation of, subje of subject. Do not allow alcohol intake. Enforce rest. Administer fathom bark to reduce cranial swelling fire moss can be used in extreme cases but beware of letting the subject form an addiction if medication fails trepanning mm -hmm. tri trepanning trepanning something like that the skull may be needed to reveal oh right trepanning the skull may be needed to relieve pressure usually fatal and that's, that's where the chapter that's slips. actually an old-timey medicine uh medic old-timey thing for people who had migraines a lot really they would just drill a hole in their head Oh, it's like it's right through their skull because they thought the pressure in the brain cavity was the issue. And then there was a weird resurgence of that 
that happened in uh, like the early 2000s. People would drill holes in their skull, like those like supernaturalist people would. Yeah. Um, if Don't you want to hear, that. if you want to hear more about this, listen to the podcast Sawbones. The very first episode of the podcast Sawbones talks about this. Uh, and from then on, they've been going for like 300 episodes. Their outro every time ends with "Don't drill a hole in your head," which yeah, I think don't, is don't don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. Not I think it's such a funny a funny outro. That is funny. Um, okay, so the chapter switches, and we're back to uh, Teft's point of view again. Woo, and, Teft. Woo. So uh, Teft is entering uh, the barrack. It's about midday. Uh, he goes in. Uh, all the other wounded are outside, and they're right. all doing so much better, Woo! which is so amazing. I love, love that. Kaladin. Yeah. Um. But he they go. He goes into the corner where Kaladin is, and basically we learn that, uh, Bridge Four is keeping him in the corner, away from the door. away from the door, because no one is bugging him. But they also like. People want to see him. Yes. People want to see Cowden and they're worried somebody also might not, like, kill him. Yes. They're worried that someone because Sadius himself can't kill him because yes. Sadius put like, up to the Stormfather to kill him. Publicly so said. The, the Stormfather, Stormfather decides. Yes. The Stormfather, I guess, basically decided that Cowden's going to survive. Okay. Rethink that sentence. Who was the face in the sky? Could be the Stormfather. There you go. Continue. Um. Anyways. I actually don't know if that's true, but that's who I always assumed it was. Oh, you don't actually know? I I don't remember. <laughs> I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. I just, I just thought brain... maybe it was like someone else. I didn't know if the Stormfather was real or not. I mean, in these books, anything can mean That's anything. True. So it could have been somebody else that everyone just calls the Stormfather. Yeah. Who the frick knows? Who knows? Um, so he basically, like, they think about the fact that Sadius can't do anything about this now. But he's low-key probably hoping that someone just yeah. secretly poisons him or something. Yeah. So that they can get rid of the problem. So they're keeping Kaladin as protected as they can. Someone is always with him, always guarding him, which is really sweet, I think, um, that someone's always protecting him. Uh, so Tef goes and talks to uh, Scar, who is currently watching. And Scar says... Because there's always somebody on duty. Yeah, right that's what I said. There's always someone oh, watching sorry, him. I didn't know if I No, you're that. good. And he says, uh, Scar says, he seems to be getting worse, Teft. I heard him mumble about dark shapes, thrashing and telling them to keep back. He opened his eyes. He didn't seem to see me, but he saw something. I swear it. And Tef's like, oh, crap. He's seeing Death's friend, which is not good. Yeah. Because nobody, like, very few people survive after they see Death's friend. Yeah, Bren. Death's friend is, like, the indication of de- someone is dead, basically. Yeah. Um, and basically, Tef's like, I'll take I'll take the turn now. Like, I'll I'll, I'll do this. Right. And he sits and watch, watches Kaladin for a while and then says, why now? Why here? After so many have watched and waited, you come here? Who's he talking about? I don't know. He's talking about, well, he talks about the... um. Envision and I did it earlier. Envisagers. Yes. And he talks about how he's rejected them. Yeah. And we don't know who those are, but he talks about them. He talks about uh the stories and the legends they had that Tef thought were like not real. But, he rejected yeah. them. And now he thinks they're pretty much all dead. Like, I don't know who they are, but Teft also says he betrayed them somehow. Yeah. Uh but Teft uh, gives another uh sphere to Kaladin with light. With with stormlight in it. And literally watches Cowden like inhale it, basically. Like he like takes it in and his wounds start to like heal. Like Teft watches some of the wounds like close together and start to heal. Um, not all of them, but enough to keep Cowden alive and breathing. And basically Teft's plan is like every couple of days, give him a new sphere that's got Stormline in it to like slowly heal him. Not quickly enough to raise suspicion, but slow and like t- still enough to keep him alive okay yes and he also says this sentence almighty cast from heaven and dwell in our hearts it's true 
So, and then he thinks, why now? Why here? And in the name of heaven, why me? So he, what, what yeah. is, what is he dealing with? The envisagers are something that he was, he clearly knows about. Yeah. Who somehow had an idea that something like this would happen. Yeah. Um, and he guesses. I kind of think that he's maybe thinks that Kaladin is like, I'm trying to think of a good like analogy to real life. Kind of like Jesus. Like a maybe like a, of- like almost like a god kind of like a god ish figure. They predicted like like they had this prediction that, that a, a god will a come god back. a god would come back or something like that. And mm. that's what he thinks Kaladin is. Kaladin's come back. Okay. Yeah. Um. But uh, so the uh chapter just kind of ends with Teth thinking about the fact that he needs to tell the uh envisagers, but he can't. But he can't because. They're gone. They're dead. It, like if there's any of them alive, he doesn't know how to locate them. Dead because of what he had done. Yeah. What did he do? Do you have any guesses? Um. Well, I we... want you to make lots of theories so people can get those math out and see if you got <laughs> right or wrong. Um. Well, we know that he he betrayed them somehow. Right. And so my thoughts are he he rejected them. He maybe did something to like share where they were like i i wonder if maybe they were like hunted by other mm, people who were okay. like not ag- in agreement with them and yeah. he was like he told them where they were where to find them to okay. maybe get money or something like that okay yeah and so that's basically where the the, the chapter is he's gonna continue to give spheres each day or not each day but every couple uh, however of days often, however he can yeah. to keep Calvin alive and hopefully heal him and but he's gonna keep it quiet and not tell anybody yep which is fair all I right really like teft i do too we're moving on to chapter 39 now last chapter it's called burned into her burned into her and it's ah. a shalon chapter in the book bit says within a heartbeat azarov was there crossing the distance that would have taken more than four months to travel by foot another folktale this one recorded in among the dark-eyed by Catalan, page 102 story of instantaneous travel and uh, and the oath gates pervade these tales so still just studying Yep. Shalon is drawing the moment that all these people died. She feels awful about it. She's so like panicked about it. Um, but all of the philosophies that she that she uh, can read about whether or not she, uh, Yasna was right in doing this, all of them basically exonerate Yasna, saying essentially what she did was acceptable because whatever reason. Yeah. Different philosophies as, as to why that would be, and most yep. of them exonerate Yasna. And but still inside of her, Shalon felt it was wrong. Yeah, I don't um, blame her. I really don't. Yeah. Uh he she is drawing, she's drawing. Suddenly she looks down at her drawing. And the uh drawing she just drew. She drew the dead men dying first and now suddenly she sees something else. Without thinking, she had drawn a dead man in fine clothing lying face first on the floor, blood pooling around him. So what was that? Um I don't know to be honest. I think she's kind of I think she can almost like tell the future. Oh, okay. That's what I think. Like, I think somehow she can like kind of tell the future because this isn't. She doesn't know what this is. She doesn't know who it is. What about the shape heads? What are those fools? She, they're not in that drawing, but the one she drew. Oh, in the, King's the one drawing. she drew before. Yeah. Um. Also, maybe something from the future. Like I, I, I just kind of think that she. I think she can. She can draw the future somehow. I don't really know how else, how else to explain it. To be honest. Yeah. It's really my only guess. Um. I wonder if maybe it's like could be like the king. Or it could also be a drawing of the past, I guess. Mm. Could be a drawing of uh, uh, Gavilar. Maybe. Maybe. I think it's either a drawing of the past or the future. One of the two. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess it can't be a drawing of the present. It's going to be a drawing from think, some time in time. 
<laughs> um, no, I, I think that you can't get she, them all right by doing that. <laughs> um, I actually am more uh, likely to believe now that I think about it that it's a drawing from the past and she's drawing mm. like maybe King Gavilar's death. Okay. And the people from before are maybe like she drew like the Parshendi or something like that. Yeah. Okay. That's what I think. I think that it's maybe I think that maybe she's drawing I scratched my future idea. Yes. I, I've decided that I think she's drawing um like inhabiting like the, other people's like the visions. knights but like the um knight like Gavilar died and stuff okay. like that. Fair enough. That's what I think. Moving on, next thing. Uh, someone knocks on the door and it's a, it's a person saying that Shalon Spanreed is flashing from her brother. Yep. So she runs over there and they have a little discussion. Essentially, this conversation is like, you have it? Come home now. And Shalon's saying, I can't because if as soon as she finds it's faulty, I'll be the first. If I'm here, does, no matter what she thinks about what happened, yep. I'm always, uh, it's always better that I am here because uh, it will give me, allow me to explain myself, exonerate yep. me, allow me to divert the attention. If I'm gone, it's going to be me. They're going to chase me down and kill me. Yep. And uh, her brother Nambala is like, when did you get so smart? Like, you're right. I know you're right. I can't, you can't leave now. Stay for at least a few more weeks, that idea. Yeah. But, but no, our house is dying quick. You need to be here soon. You don't have a year. You have weeks. Yep. Um, which is a little bit stressful. Yeah, not great. Um, and then she starts having a little... Basically, she spends a long time panicking about like, Yasna knows. How does she know? Gosh, she knows. Does she know it's me? Is she subtle? What's happening? And so she's like kind of panicking like that constantly. But Yasna's not subtle, Salon. Um, and then someone knocks on the door again and she's like, <gasps> but it's the maid. And the maid has uh, brought her uh, jam and bread from Cabsol. Cabsol. Cab- I don't know how I feel like cap- about Capsule. I can't chant chant aggressively for Capsule because I don't know how Who I do feel we about feel- him. Right now, the only person I feel fully good about is Kaladin. <laughs> Honestly, and Syl. And, and Rock, Rock and, and Taft. Taft. The bridge and four. Bridge semi- four. Bridge four. Bridge four. four. <laughs> <laughs> Why has that become our thing that whenever we get excited about a character, <laughs> I start to chant and then Cohen chants after me? It's good. It's good. <laughs> um. Anyway. She's- All I have to say. Sorry. Real quick. Yeah. All I have to say is, readers, I hope you're chanting along. If we're <laughs> chanting and you're not in your car, if you're surrounded by other people, don't chant. Chant quietly. Weird. Chant quietly. Or chant in your head. Yeah, or chant quietly. But if you're in your car by yourself listening to this, please chant, chant along. along. And let us know if you're chanting along. <laughs> we would love to hear it. That would make me so happy to hear if you're chanting That's along. That's so funny. And honestly, you know, just send us a, a thing of you chanting along. Yeah. <laughs> okay, anyways, continue. Uh, Shalon uh, is just overwhelmed by all these difficult things she has to think about. Um, and then it skips forward in the chapter. Yep. Uh, and she's in the gardens and she's distracting herself by like looking at the shell bark, which is what the art was of earlier. Yeah. And these little bugs that like help clean the shell bark yep. and all the different plants. And she's like, well, I'm here. I'm far enough away that it'll take 20 minutes for somebody to see me and then get to me. Yeah. So I can try soul casting. Yeah. And so she, um. She puts her hand to a thing and look, touches something and thinks, become smoke. Nothing happened. Become crystal. Nothing happened. Fire. Burn. You're fire. Nothing happened. Yeah. She's upset by this fact. Yeah. Um, And she also thinks, that's stupid. Imagine if it worked and I just had left a handprint of fire. Like that would obviously implicate me again. Yeah. I shouldn't have done any of this here. But she's she's still super confused. She can't figure out how to get it to work. She thinks maybe she should give it to Capsule. Like, turn it over to him and maybe they can protect her family or give her money or something yeah. in exchange. But doing that, she thought, felt even worse than stealing it. Because yeah. in stealing it, at least she was doing something to help her family. Yeah. Doing that would just be to get it out of there and, like, would just be stealing from a person she respected and giving to someone they did not respect. Yep. Um, 
So much worse. And so basically, the chapter ends with Shalon just being super conflicted the entire time. Yep. Yeah, that's yeah, the end of the chapter. that's pretty much the end of the chapter. Hey, I just got a spoiler for the next chapter. It makes me ecstatic to read it. Read the oh. first sentence of the next chapter real quick, Sydney. Ah. Yeah, isn't that exciting? Ah. The next sentence says, Kaladin stumbled into the light. So, ah. good to know he's getting better. Woo! Um, theories about what Shalon's going to do? Um, also, why is the Soulcaster being tough, difficult? Well, I just think she's doing it wrong. Fair enough. Like that, I that yeah, I just think she's so doing wait, it wrong. So wait, I have here's my thinking. If she doesn't know how it works, how does she know the other one was broken? I know. I thought about that. If she too. doesn't know how it works, then maybe it's just the other one was also a functional soulcaster. They just didn't know how to make it work. I literally thought about that too. I actually think it might have been like just, part of me thinks that it is, and that's why Yasun doesn't know yet. So what's gonna happen then? She's just gonna Yasun's gonna use it, and Shalon's gonna be like, oh. Oh, <laughs> this whole this whole 500 pages of Shalon story we've read so far has been pointless <laughs> and the author Brandon Sanderson made us read it for no reason I'm sure no, Sydney that sounds reasonable no that, I just think that would be funny that would be very funny that would be actually. hilarious actually I um, think um, I don't know I think that I do I think Yaz is gonna figure it out mm. but I think that Yasna is gonna help I don't think Shalon's gonna give up on her studies I right. think somehow she's gonna continue because I think she's gonna so I really think that Shalon somehow is gonna figure out what happened to um King Gavilar oh okay I, I think that well, we know what happened but like well why I mean like happened. why it yeah, happened why it happened like I think Shalon's gonna figure it out somehow oh, okay. and so she's not gonna wanna leave and she's not gonna be able to leave and somehow she's gonna figure out how to either get the soulcaster home without leaving mm. Or she's gonna figure out. She's like gonna tell Yasna, and Yasna's gonna Yasna's gonna help right. something like that. That's what I think. I I, right. just, I don't think Shalon's gonna leave because I think she's gonna be part of the solving the little mystery they've got going on here. All right, all right. Is there anything else we need to do? Nope. Okay. Uh, good theory, Sydney. I really appreciate it. You did a great job. Thank you. Uh, I know. And I know. I did a great job. Well, shut up. I retract my <laughs> statement. Uh, <laughs> I'm just joking. Uh, now it's time to rank the characters. Woo! Okay, here we go. All right, so uh, I'll read the characters for this week. Yes. So we have Kaladin, Rock, Teft, Moash, Scar, and Sil. Yep. We have Shalana and Yasna, and Liren, Laryl, Rashon, Riller, Hasina, and Tien. And we also added Gaz because Gaz is kind of like mentioned and he kind of shows up and he's yeah. a character that's in the section a little. Yeah. And we also added Lamoril because right. he died. And so, yeah. The ranking. Of the characters this week. Kaladin's top. He's pretty chill. Sill's yeah. next. She fought off the Death Friend really, really sweet. Then there was Tefton Rock, who cared about Kaladin, cares about the people. Yeah. Super cool And we guy. got to see Tef's uh, point of view this yes. week. was also really cool. Then there's Shalon, because she's doing her own thing. She's she's very committed. Kind of does a bad thing. That sucks. Yeah. Then we have TN, cutie, patootie. Then we have <laughs> Moash, uh, who's been a butt up to this point, but he's kind of like ex- He's like, like improving. He's getting yeah. a character arc. Then we have Yasna, who we're conflicted about, but we don't want her to die. Yeah. Then we have Asina who is the fa- mother of Kaladin, complicit in the st- f- stealing of the spheres. Yeah. But she's such a good person, and we're she didn't do all, yes. it herself. We're also conflicted about her, though, too. Liren, we're even more conflicted about. Yep. He's kind of seemed like a butthole. He stole the spheres, but his reasoning was kind of okay. It's, it's yeah. hard. Uh, then there's Scar, who's just a cool guy. Yeah. Didn't, didn't really do much of Scar. And then we have Roshone, who we don't want him dead, because he's kind of right, we've discovered. Yeah. Um, And then there's Riller, who we... um, uh. Is we think is worse than his father because he's just a bully and bullies suck. We we hate bullies. And then there's Laurel, who is not only a bully, but she is also a um like betrayer because she's yeah. supposed to be Kaladin's friend and she betrayed him. Yeah, but we don't want them dead yet because they're just kids. Yeah, those two are like 
are like teenagers who are just bullies. Yeah. And it's not like they need to die for that. And we feel bad for killing them. We just don't like them. Yeah. Killing, on the other hand, though, we do want Gaz dead. For sure. Oh, for sure. Gaz has never not been in the Wish You Were Dead yeah. here. He's getting better, though. He's he's less bad than he was. Yes. He's less bad than he was. And then finally at the bottom, we have Lamoral, who is in our dead tier because he what, got what? killed this week. And now for the top five, bottom five. Sydney, what happened last week? Top five, bottom so five. So our top five from last week was Cowden, Shalon, Rock, Sill, and Dalinar. And then our bottom five was a little bit different. So we didn't have a top person on it. Yeah. So um, our bottom five, uh, the second worst character or the fourth worst character in the yeah. book was Rashon, and then Sadius and then Gaz and then Lamoral was our least favorite character. Absolutely. And then our top five, bottom five this week, we uh, top five changed quite a bit. We got Kaladin still at the top, but Syl jumped up all the way to two. Then Rock jumped up above Shallan to three. Then Teft joined the list for the first time at the fourth best character. Yep. Shallan's still hanging on right at the bottom. Yeah, We've- we still love Shallan, but she did a maybe not so great thing, but she also, we can't necessarily blame her for it. Absolutely. And she kicked Dalinar right off the list. Yep. And then our bottom five this week, we had no trouble filling it. Actually, for the first time ever, it was really easy to fill the bottom five. Yeah, and also, we had to make a decision to kick somebody off who we were kind of like, mm, yeah, not. But we haven't seen him in a hot minute, yeah. so it felt like it was time for him to be kicked off. So our our, our least worst character is Roshon. Yeah. He sucks, but he was, again, he's kind of right. Yeah. Followed by Riller, who's a bully, followed by Laurel, who's a bully and a betrayer. Yep. Then, of course, Gaz in his spot at the fourth worst, and the worst character of the entire book is Lamoril. Yeah. Um, if you didn't notice, we kicked off Sadius this week. Yep. Uh, because we haven't seen Sadius in a long time, and he's not a good dude. He did uh, order Kaladin to be hung upside down. Yes, but he did also. He killed the light but eyes and he like got stuck rid of Lamoril for us. Yeah. So that ma- automatically makes him a tiny bit better. Makes him a good guy all of a sudden. Not a good guy. By <laughs> He'll probably be back eventually, I would bet. But. Yes. Um, yes, better than some of these other characters Absolutely. we have decided for this week. And that's all we have for you. Yep. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, our intro and outro is provided by uh, Alezia, who that is A-L-E-Z-E-I-A on Spotify, which we appreciate him for letting us use that. Next week, we're reading. Next week, we are reading chapters 40, 41, 42, and 43. So chapters 44, wow, no, chapters 40 through 43. Yes. Uh, make sure you have those red or Sydney will fly you like a freaking kite. And I'll tell you this. During a hurricane. I'll tell you this. There's Woo! no good way to get down from a human kite situation. <laughs> there's no good way to get down you from a human kite situation. in real life you could fly like a kite in a hurricane? If the wind was strong enough, yeah. If you're tied to the ground. Have you seen a tornado? They left cars, tornadoes do. That's just true. If you're tied to the ground and tied well enough, you definitely could get could get lifted off the ground and flown like a kite. That's not great. That would yeah. be a terrible way to go. There's Yeah, there's no way to get down well from a human kite scenario okay well so make sure you read or else that'll happen to you <laughs> goodbye <laughs> thank you for listening my name is Colin Brat. and I'm sitting Lyrely I love you peace Woo. why are you still here the show's over